Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go to Philippians 1.10. So I'm just going to share some things from my heart with you tonight, if that's okay. Let's, Philippians, let's start uh, chapter 1. Let's just start in verse 9. This is Paul's talking. He said, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. You know, there is that, <coughs> there is that segment right there in verse 10 that says, that ye may approve Things that are excellent. And I went and I got my 26 translation out. And the Moffat translation of that says that you may have a sense of what is vital. What is vital? What is something that's vital? Something that's vital is something that's essential to your life. Absolutely, without question, 100% necessary to your life. Paul was praying that, that you would have a sense of what is vital. The Taylor translation of that says, that, no, no, I'm sorry, it's the Knox translation. It says, that you may learn to prize what is of value. You know, if you go over to first, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 18, it talks about things that are temporal and things that are eternal. You know, and for us in the day in which we live, we need to come to a place where we have a sense of the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporary. What good is winning a ball game going to do? What good is working an extra five hours tonight going to do? It may get you, you know, some overtime pay, but is it vital in the sense of an eternal realm? Is taking one more trip to go see Mickey Mouse, is that vital? Is it? I mean, let's face it. Uh, after being in a service like Sunday night, I don't know of anything that can compare in an eternal sense to that. You know, we have to come to a place where we understand and comprehend those things that have eternal consequence and those that have just a temporary, here on this earth, some kind of gratification or some kind of something. And begin to weigh out the value of the two. To have a sense of what is vital, to have a sense of what is eternal, and to let go of the things that are just simply temporary. Is there anything wrong with those things? Absolutely not. There's not. You know, God intends for us to enjoy ourselves in this life. He intends us for us to, you know, to, to avail ourselves of things that are just fun. 
listen, if, if, we didn't, if some of us didn't have some fun, we'd be in sad shape. You know, we need to have a little bit more fun. You know, but, but there's a way to have fun, and there's, there's a time not to have fun. We just need to know that when, when it's vital and when it's not vital. When it's eternal and when it's not eternal. The things that, that I'm doing in, in, our, in my life that can affect me negatively where eternal things are concerned, or the things that can affect me as an ongoing, everlasting effect. And so as I listened to, to the, I mean, it, the heartbeat of all those who went on the trip seemed to be the same. You know, it, it, it came down to, to making choices. It came down to making commitments. It came down to laying certain things aside. It came down to having a sense of what is vital. That's what it came down to. And so in a time like that, in a service like that, you know, it's easy for you to kind of get in on the groundswell because the rest of us didn't go on that trip. And so for them to come back and to share that with us, you know, it's such a great encouragement. I mean, it's, it, it's edifying. You know, the Bible talks about edifying of itself in love. That's what the body does. And that's the body that went on the trip, and that's the body that came back and edified the rest of the body. And so we kind of, kind of got in on that, on that groundswell. And I tell you what, when we came in to pray on Monday night, it was like there was a charge in the atmosphere. You know, but let me tell you something. The enemy is, is here, and I always tell, you know, every time we do a ladies' retreat, one of the last things I always say is, watch out, because just like it says in Matthew, the thief comes immediately, immediately to steal what has been sown. You have to be on the lookout. You have to be wary of his attacks and of his plan to try to take away what you have received. And so in the middle of making a commitment you know, and the things that we heard on Sunday night and the things that God was, I mean, you, you can't tell me that in that kind of service, I mean, it was, it was three hours long. You can't tell me in the middle of that service that, that hearts were not touched, that lives were not changed, that decisions were not made, that there were not commitments that were made. But I'm telling you what, the enemy is going to do what he can to try to take you away from the commitment that you've made. And so you need to know that in the middle of making a commitment, there are things that are required. And I will probably just, you know, kind of run through some things that these, these guys have already said on Sunday night. And number one is a change in your lifestyle. Commitment. This kind of commitment takes a change in our lifestyle. It, it does. It, it takes... It takes um, Seeing it through different eyes, you know, putting, putting on glasses, so to speak, that, that filter out all the, all the, the junk. You know, when you put on sunglasses, polarized sunglasses, it takes all the glare out. You know, when we, we get to this kind of a place, we have to put on some spiritual sunglasses that takes all the glare of this world out of play. And there's got to be a change of some lifestyle issues here. You know, I appreciate, I think it was Jordy who said, sorry, Jordan, uh, said the, the other night, he was talking about fasting some things. 
putting some things aside and instead of spending this time playing a video game, watching a, a TV show, uh, reading this kind of a, an article or that kind you know, th- natural things that really didn't, don't produce anything, taking that time and, and making that a time where you actually give it to God. That's really what fasting is all about, is laying aside certain things so that you are more able to clearly hear what God is saying to you, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, what your own heart is saying to you. But it requires a change of lifestyle. Listen, God can't talk to some of us because we're never in a position to listen. We're so busy. we got so many other things that are going on, so many other things we're interested in, so many other things we're doing, that he's not, he's going, you know, and he can never give us our attention because we don't slow down long enough to say, God, have you got something to say to me? So in our busy lifestyles, this kind of a commitment will, cha- will require a change in our busyness and the things that will pull us away from spending time with the Father, spending time with him. It's also going to demand that we develop our faith life. Mm-hmm. Because I'm here to tell you, as soon as you make this kind of a commitment, the enemy is going to bring something into your life that suddenly is going to grab your attention, that's going to require your faith be applied to it. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, his motive is nothing more than to distract you from the bigger picture. If he can get us focused on this little need right here, he can keep us from being effective in the bigger picture. And so as, as we learn to develop our faith life, we can take a look at those things that come our way, and we can take one look at it and say, that's done, because by his stripes I'm healed, and just going about our business. But see, to be able to do that, you must develop your faith life. You must get your faith life to, to, a, to a level that you don't struggle constantly with these things that affect our temporary life. That means getting yourself built up in the areas of healing, in the areas of finances, in the areas of walking in love, whatever they are. Get yourself built up so that when the enemy comes and tries to attack, it's nothing. It's nothing. You take one look at it and go, I got this. You know, thank you, Lord, you know, that I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. I thank you that I have a heart full of love toward this person. I can, I can love them in spite of how nasty they're being to me and just keep on going. It'll cause you to develop your faith life. Now, if you're going to have this kind of commitment, it's also going to cause you to have to develop your accuracy in following the leading of the Lord. And you think, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. No, you need to be so familiar with that inward witness that it doesn't take you half an hour to figure out, should I do this or should I do that? You immediately know. See, I mean, when, in raising kids, my object was not necessarily just to get my children to a place where they obeyed me 100% of the time, though that was, that was that we, we were working toward that, but it was also to get them to quickly obey. For me not to stand there and say, I'm going to count to 10 now. If we got past three, somebody was in major trouble. You know, but, but to immediately obey. 
See, that's, that's what we're needing to work toward when it comes to following that inward man, is to immediately obey. Not stand here and argue, well, should I do this? Should I not do that? You know, is this really God? Is this not? No, you become so familiar and so acquainted with that inward man that it just, you immediately, without thought, with, without anything, just go, I know what to do, and you just do it. You know, that would answer a lot of questions for a lot of people. It's just getting familiar with that inward man. I don't know, how, when was the last time you read the book, How to Be Led by the Spirit of God? If you haven't read it in a while, get it out and read it again. And once you've read it one time, read it again. I guarantee you the second pass through, you'll get a whole lot more out of it than the first pass. You know, I think Dad Hagen, you know, there are certain books that he wore out on a regular basis. He could almost quote some of those books. I know Christ the Healer was one of those books for him that he wore out on a regular basis. You know, he, he would take that book and he'd read it and he'd read it and he'd read it and he'd wear that one out. He'd go get him another one and he'd read it and he'd read it and he'd wear that one out and he'd go get him another one. You know, and every t- I believe every time he read it, there was more. There was more. Until he was firmly established in healing. And to stay firmly established in healing, he stayed firmly established in Christ the healer. See, we have got to get to a place where, where we look on the inside all the time. God's giving us more directions than we're taking. He's always talking to us more than we're listening. Always. He's always trying to give us a heads up. He's always trying to give us a, ha- a pointer. He's, hey, this is, this is a better direction. You know, and, and we have got to get to the place where we need to be more accurate in following that leading. Some of us, it's not necessarily accurate that we need to be. We just need to be willing to do what he says do. You know, some of us have got a little stubborn streak, you know, and I look in the mirror and point my fingers right back at me because I know, I know stubborn is one of those wonderful, great attributes that I have, you know, and that's great. You know, those kind of things are not negatives. They're negatives only when I apply it to the things of God. They're not negative when I apply it to the things the enemy wants to bring my way. When I'm too stubborn to take what he wants me to have, that's a good thing. So see, all those things that we tend to look at sometimes as as negative characteristics in our lives, they're not negative. They just have to be redirected. They just have to be directed in the right way toward the right person. Not to God, you know, but to the enemy and what he would tell us to do. And then we've got to stop making excuses. Mm. If you're going to live this kind of commitment, guys, we have to stop making excuses, right? Are there any good excuses? Mm-mm. No. I dare say all the the legitimate reasons we have sometimes for not doing the things that we need to do really aren't that legitimate at all because they can be changed. You know, as soon as you decide, you know, that uh, I can do plan B, you're, you're, you're stuck. I mean, failure is yours. Don't make a plan B. I have plan A. Well, what's, plan, what's the next plan? Plan A. Well, if that doesn't work, plan A. Well, what if that doesn't work? Plan A. That's all there is, is plan A. There is no B. And there's certainly not a C. It's plan A. So we have to stop making excuses 
to other people and to ourselves. You know, sometimes the person that we're trying to fool the most is our own selves. So stop making excuses to yourself and just call it what it is. Just, just say, no, you know, that's something that's got to change. These things will, make, will, will cause us to have to make some changes. Not just the lifestyle changes, but just some changes in, in attitude, some uh, changes in expectations. You know, sometimes we have our own expectations without any insight from the, from the Spirit of God as to whether those expectations are what he has for us. You know, we've made our plans. See, God's got a plan for our lives. He does. And his plan is much, much better than any plan I can come up with. Much better. And so it would behoove all of us just to figure out what his plan is and just get with the program. Amen. And commitment, I mean, I think when the, somebody said this on, on Sunday night, this kind of commitment is going to require some separation from some things. You know, not, not necessarily, you know, bad things, but just some things that are distracting things for some things that do not enhance our spiritual lives. You know what I'm talking about? If it doesn't enhance my spiritual life, then is it of any value really to me? Is it of any value to what God has in store for me? No, not really. Mm-mm. So sometimes we have to separate ourselves from some things, and sometimes we have to separate ourselves from some people. You know, and, and when you say that, you know, sometimes you, 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 most often I suspect people are, uh, they apply that to maybe, maybe to people who are maybe not necessarily the most godly people in our lives. But you know what? Over the years, I had, there have been a, some times in my life where a person that was, I, I, could, have, I could have two, two friends. One, not necessarily somebody who was really serving God all that much, and one that supposedly was, and yet the one who wasn't was a better influence on me than the one who was. You think, well, how can that be? Somebody who talks doubt and unbelief all the time is not a good person for you to hang around. Somebody who's always down in the dumps. Somebody who's always wanting to pull you into their pity party. Somebody who's always telling you, well, you know, yeah, but you just don't understand. You know, that doesn't, that, you know, I, I know what the word says, but. If they put a butt in there, then you need to kick your butt on down the road. It's true. I mean, I, I've, got, I've got family, you know, that are born-again, spirit-filled people. And most negative people in the world. If you got somebody in your life that's a negative believer, you're not helping yourself by hanging around them. Unless you're there to help them make some changes. If you're there to encourage them, then that's fine. But be careful that, that their negativity does not influence you. So sometimes separation from somebody doesn't really have as much to do with whether they're born again or not. What, what are they bringing to the table? You know, the Bible says over in uh, Proverbs 27, it talks, talks about iron sharpens iron. Pastor was just talking about this one about two weeks ago, about the fact you put a bunch of rocks, you know, into one of these tumbler things, and, and the rocks knock the edges off of each other until they're nice and smooth. Listen, iron sharpens iron. 
There are some areas of my life that I need to be smoothed over, but there's some areas I need to be really sharp on. And I need people in my life that are going to help sharpen me where, th- where this life is concerned. Um, there are people in my life that can be a help to me, that can be an encouragement to me, that, that will see the best in me. See, you have those people in your life too. The people who will see the best in you, who will encourage you, who will stay on your back if they have to, who will tell you what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not, that's the person who, who goes under iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't have somebody like that in your life, you need to find somebody. The reason some people don't have anybody in their life that's like that is because they get offended anytime anybody says anything to them. As long as you're going to stay offended when somebody's trying to help you, there is no hope for you to change. If you know that person loves you, you need to hear what they're saying. You need to take in what they have to say and weigh it with that man that's on the inside. I realize there are people who get sharp-tongued. I know there are times when we're not always at our very best, you know, when we, and we let something slip in a tone that's, that's not godly. You know, that's a good time. That's where, that's where the rock thing comes in, you know, and we're, and we're smoothing one another out. But I'm telling you what, there are some times when I've had some hard things said to me, but I knew it was God. Now, if you, if you want it to help you, then you can't get offended by it. Proverbs also says in Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend is someone who cares about you. Someone who cares enough to say what needs to be said. Do you have somebody like that in your life? You need to find them if you don't. You need to find people in your life that will stretch you beyond what you think you're capable of. There are giftings and abilities in every one of us, and we've been too lazy to develop them on our own. And there will come a time in our lives where somebody will come along who loves us enough to stretch us and make us go to those places that we have not gone before. You know, Pastor Nancy did that to me, you know, last, last year, you know, in, f- in front of a couple of thousand people and all over the Internet, you know, when she said, you know, you and, you and Pastor Anderson come here, you're supposed to minister in tongues and interpretation love. And, you know, I've, that's something I've known for, for years and just refused to do it because I was too scared to do it. And yet she was a faithful enough friend led by the Holy Ghost you know, to, to pull me out of my comfort zone. But thank God, God was faithful enough that several minutes before that, he told me what was coming so I could talk myself off the ledge. <laughs> See, it's, it's important that you have people in your life who will make you grow. Who'll say, this is what's on the inside of you. I can see it. Why can't you see it? Why won't you do it? Why won't you step out here and just, and just shove you off the dock, basically, into deep water? You know, and you go, okay, 
you know, if you come up sputtering, it's okay. You know, we can, get, we can pump the water out of you if, you if you swallow a little bit. It's all right. But, you know, at the same time, you need, you need to be that kind of person for somebody else. Really. You need, you, it's, it's a, you know, the law of sowing and reaping works right here as, as well as it does in any other instance. You know, you sow into other people, you can expect to reap back. And you will reap back. You know, um, it's, it's really funny how this was kind of evolving this afternoon in the office. You know, I, I got to, to this place, and, and suddenly the Lord took me back to some notes I had used in the Bible school in California a few weeks ago. And, and so I, I pulled all kinds of, you know, some pages and things out. And, and um, this is not a full-blown message any, by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to this particular subject, but we're, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right into the middle of it, okay? Uh, don't be so conscious of what you're called to do or not do. Just know that as a believer, you're called to be a help. Okay? Um, for the Bible school students, I told them this. If you're called into the five-fold ministry, it'll be the most fulfilling and satisfying thing you've ever done. If you're called into helps, it'll be the most fulfilling and satisfying ministry you've ever done. And don't try to do something that you're not called to because there is no grace for it. There is no anointing for it. You can get by for a while, and there are people who are in ministry today who have no business in full-time ministry because they're not called to it. There's no grace for it. There is no anointing for it. And there's one mess after another gets made because it's not there. Amen. Listen. Some people seem to think that being in a place of the ministry of, that's just the ministry of helps is some kind of a lesser thing. It's not in God's eyes. It is not. You know, the, the, the thing that God wants each and every one of us to do is exactly what he's called us to do. What he's called us to do. In Acts, go with me to Acts 13 too. This might be one of those step-on-your-toes segments. I don't know. That's all right. I love you. I love you enough to tell you. Acts 13, verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. You know, and so the, the principal element here, you know, you, you look at first, you know, is, is that word separate me. It means to set these people apart. Um, the Taylor translation, it says, dedicate Paul and Barnabas for a special job I have for them. But I want you to look at the rest of what it says. It says, for the work whereunto I have called them. Where has God called you? It's not up to you to decide where you have been called. It's where God has called you. Listen, wherever God has called you to is a place that he has ordained that is highly exalted in his eyes. 
For you to try to do something that he has not called you to is not highly exalted in his eyes. You know, when I told my growing, my children were at home and I told them to do something and they decided instead to do something else, they did not have any favor in my eyes. That's not what I told you to do. This is what I told you to do. Many believers are struggling today because they're trying to do what they want to do instead of what God told them to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you will never find that place of satisfaction. You'll never find that place of fulfillment until you decide to find out what God has called you to do and do it. Whether it's something you think you like or whether it's something you think you don't like. There is a, wherever he's called you to, that's where the grace is, that's where the anointing is. And in the body of Christ, you are called into a local body. And inside that local body, you do not have to have a divine visitation to get involved in the ministry of helps in the local body. There is a constant ongoing invitation from the Holy Ghost to be part of the body and to fulfill a place in that body. Not just spiritually, but physically. With your physical body, with your physical abilities, with your physical talent, there are things for you to do. Not just sit in a seat. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people, sure, that like Dr. Ed when he was here, physically he may not have been able to do certain things, but he could pray and he did. He fulfilled a vital role. A vital role. But we have to stop looking around, looking, well, I'd really rather do that. Well, I want to do that. Well, I want God to use me like this. No. How does God want to use you? You find that out, you will find satisfaction. You will find fulfillment. Listen, I won't get on Doug's high horse, you know, that he got on the other night. But, but let me tell you, there is a place at the door for an anointed, Holy Ghost-filled greeter to stand there and pray for somebody when they come in the door. There is a place for that same greeter to put such uh, an effect on a stranger who walks in the door that it changes their whole attitude of receptiveness for what the rest of the service will bring. There is not one place, one location of ministry in this church or in any church that doesn't have an anointing to go with it and a divine call to go with it. The problem is, is we tend to, in our natural thinking, tend to look at these things as unimportant and not very valuable. The person who's serving in the cafe is valuable. The person who is, who is walking the parking lot during the service is valuable. You think, well, there's no knowing of that. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. There's only, there's, it's not there when you say it's not there. I am a Holy Ghost filled, anointed, graced, person who is doing the job of head usher tonight. I am a Holy Ghost filled, anointed, tiny tots, baby room helper tonight. It's all in our perspective, isn't it? 
And yet we come in and we sit down and we think, well, I don't have a job on the schedule day. Yes, you do. As soon as you walk in that door, you have a job to do. Your job is to draw on the anointing. As soon as you walk in the door, your job is to draw on the anointing, to partake in the service, and to bring your supply to whatever is going on, and to follow the leading of the Lord for that service. Whether it's during praise and worship, don't stand there like this. That is not praise and worship. You have been called and divinely equipped to lift your hands and to raise your voice and to sing aloud the praises of the God Most High that you say you serve. Not stand there and just look at who was on the platform going, I don't like that song. Man, I wish they'd turn that, that, that keyboard down. The drums are driving me crazy. They're just, mm-hmm. does the sound man not know, hear that? That is not what you're called to do. No. You are called to pray. If you don't like the sound, pray for the sound man. If you don't like that particular song, pray for whoever's leading. Pastor's not here. I can say what I want to say. <laughs> I get my own hanky out. <laughs> Preach it, sister. Preach it. Yes. Amen. Yes. You will get no reward. You'll get no reward for something that you did not value. No reward. Well, I did it. I mean, they wanted me to usher, they wanted me to greet, they wanted me over in the baby room. I had to go volunteer at the Easter egg hunt this year. No reward for you, honey. Mm -mm. No, none, none. Mm -mm. Not going to (sighs) happen. Church fellowships, I just hate going to church fellowships. No reward for you. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. You need to learn to value what the Father values. And when you do it from a perspective of valuing what he values, there is great satisfaction, great fulfillment, and great reward that accompanies it. And see, God's not going to move anybody anywhere upwards in what we consider moving on in ministry until they have learned to value what, in your natural mind, you look as as something small. Mm Mm-hmm. I can tell you, in fact, I told the Bible school students this, I can tell you how successful somebody will be in their supposed ministry according to how much they value the local church and how much they're determined to be a vital asset to that local church. I can, I can look back and I can tell you people like, Oh, I can send in Stephen and Rachel and Pastor Greg and Miss Amy and John Abbott. Those people I know are called into ministry. And they had their hands in everything to the point that sometimes we would have to say, don't you think you need to let somebody else do that at least instead of you trying to do everything? See, that's the heart of a person who's really called to full-time ministry. I will do whatever, whenever, wherever, give me something to do, and I'll be so happy to do it. I will be so glad to do it. Please let me do this. 
No, 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 no. No, let me help you. Let me help you. No, you've already done so. Let me help you. you know, that's the person that I know will be successful. That's the person I know God will promote. Mm-hmm. It starts in your local church, folks. Because, because as a body, we have the ability to majorly influence a large segment of our area. But we will only do it to the extent that we become one with each other. Ephesians, go with me, Ephesians 4.16. Oh. I'm going to use up all my time, sorry. Ephesians 4.16. Every bit of it. Hallelujah. Uh, let's start in verse, I'm sorry, start in verse 15. It says, uh, let's see. No, let's start in verse 14. No, let's start in verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. Sometimes you just need to grow up. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Does it say compacted by a lot of joints? By what a lot of joints supply? It says every. It didn't leave anybody out. You all are qualified as joints here. You know, and every one of you have something to supply. And what one does not supply will affect everybody else. It does. You know, there's, you know, in, in uh, just in the natural human body is a, is a wonderful example of, of what can happen. I mean, you, you, it's, we have been divinely created and divinely made, and God put all the parts in there, and, 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 and everything works in conjunction and works together. And I mean, that's just the way it works. There are some parts that you can live without, but that's not the original plan. There are parts that every church can live without, but that's not the plan. The body only works best when the body is totally and 100% whole and healthy. Every joint supplying what every joint is supposed to supply. I got up off the couch last night and made a beeline for something. I don't even know what now. And I caught my little toe on my coffee table. It hurt so bad I almost fell on the floor. And so today it's very colorful. So if it's not broken, it's at least cracked somewhere. And I stuffed my foot in this shoe this morning, so, and I've had it on all day so that, that I could get it on and keep it on. Let me tell you what, a little toe is not that big a deal. Till I whacked it last night, and it was doing some big supply of pain that my whole body responded to. Listen, we cannot afford to do without anybody that's called to this body.
Can't afford to do without anybody. We've got a job to do. And to do it as effectively as we should do it requires all of us being in the right place, doing the right supplied job with the right heart, valuing the right things. And when we do, it works. Hallelujah. In the middle of it all, we have to remain teachable. Remain teachable. Be open to new things that God's going to show you. You know, didn't, didn't uh, the Lord appear to Paul on the road? And he said, I'm going to make you a minister of witness of things that you have seen and the things I will yet appear to you. Listen, there are some things that we have seen that we have not fully comprehended. There are some things that we have seen that we have not completely taken advantage of 100%. And so we have to go back and we have to make sure that those things that God has already entrusted to us have become solidly established on the inside of us so that we can move on to bigger things, move on to things that he still wants to unfold to us. There's so much more out there, so much more out there. You know, but, you know, we're over in Ephesians where it talks about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Understand this, that that is an ongoing, ever-evolving process in our lives. And that we have to be open to hear what God has got to say to us all the time. We can't get in our little box and think we know it all about this or that we've, we've arrived in this area or that we don't need any more, we don't need anything more to expound on this because, you know, we, we got it covered, got it covered, got it covered. No, there's always more. There's always more. And just be, understand this, that God will only be able to talk to us about what we're willing to hear. And so be willing to hear. Be willing to hear. I, I don't want to let the opportunity for things that have come forward in the last, you know, on the retreat, and you guys will have him brought that back. I don't want to let a drop of it fall by the wayside. Not a drop of it. But it's going to require some real commitment on our part to take a hold of it, to maintain it, and to move on with it. It's not stagnant. You know, this is, this is a continual moving. We're a living organism. The body of Christ is a living thing. We don't just stand still and stand, you know, just here. You know, we, we, we look back and I shall not be moved like a tree planted by the waters. Well, that's, you know, that's in your determination to believe God, in your determined determination not to be moved off of, off of the things that God has promised you. But listen, we have to be ready to change things that need to be changed. We have to be willing to let go of some things that need to be let go of. We have to be willing to let go of some people. We have to be willing to, to be an encourager to other people and to be encouraged ourselves, not to find fault, not to get offended. When somebody speaks something to us that was said out of a heart of love, don't get upset. Thank God that they were brave enough to do it. Many is the time I've had to, I've had to, had to talk to somebody, and I, I dread it. I dread it because 
I, I know that 90% of the time or more, maybe it's 99% of the time, as soon as I say a particular, get into a particular conversation, they're going to get mad. Even if they don't look mad right there in my office, they're going to be, they're going to leave and they're going to be mad. They're going to be offended. But I, I had an opportunity a few years ago to, to bring somebody in my office and, and sit down and talk to me, and they thanked me, thanked me for caring enough about them to say, come in, let's talk. That's an unusual thing. It should not be that unusual. We should, we should be happy that somebody loves us and cares enough about us that they want the best for us. Not wag, they're not wagging fingers at your face. I'm telling you what you've not done right. But they care enough about you to want to see the best for you. These are things that just, these are things that just have, to, have to take place. You know, because we all have areas that we need to work on. You know, and God will use people to help us in those areas. He wants to take us to places that we cannot even imagine. You know, I, I want to look back a year from now and go, whoa, look how far we have come in this year. I mean, I can look back at 2014, you know, from a year ago now, and say we've come a long way in the last year. But see, that's not good enough. I want to be able to say that a year from now. Look how far we've come in the last year. I tell you what, to a people that will humble themselves and give themselves to the things of God and get a sense of what is vital, God can do big things, and he is on the edge, just waiting for us to step into those things. Just waiting. He's excited about this. You ever get up, you know, if you've had kids and you've gotten some something that's just, I mean, you know they're going to love for Christmas. You can't wait for them to get up and open it. You just can't wait for them to see what they're going to do. See, that's God's heart. He's got some big things waiting for us. He can't wait for us to get a hold of them and open them up and begin to enjoy them. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.